Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Thanks, Izan. Hi, guys. It's nice to be back to see all your friendly faces. We were in the Cape, Rochelle and, and, um, and the kids and us. We were at our uh, annual pastor summit. Uh, and it was really wonderful, I think, all in all with all the k- kids, because they had, they had a youth summit as well. Was at the youth summit? And they had fun with some of the other PKs. Those are pastor's kids. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, they, they, it, it, I think all in all we were with all the kids and, and, and youth, we were more than 200 uh, people at the at the pastor summit, so it was it was quite something, and uh, we bring you greetings and love from the rest of Shofar, and um, yeah, but it's um, it's nice to be back, you know. We like you guys, <laughs> and we like being around you. Um, so, um, want to um, continue just sharing a little bit of, from Paul's letter to Colossians, and uh, last week Louis would have shared. On Colossians, the beginnings of Colossians too, but um, you know some some things happened, and uh, Izan jumped off uh, jumped in off the bench and shared on on Colossians two verse six to eight, um, which is the um, the sort of the, the theme verse of the letter. Did you know that Paul's letters sometimes have theme verses, like like he summarizes the the sort of essential message of the whole letter in in, in a verse or two. Can you still remember what? What is on priest about last week? As you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to walk in Him, rooted and grounded in Him, right? And, and that's, that's what the whole letter is essentially about. It's about the way that you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so you must continue to walk in Him. You know, the way in is the way on. You know, you come in through the gospel and you, and you move on through the gospel. Um, so I'm going to just backtrack a few verses and go back to... Um, verses 1 to 5, uh, is, and, and just sort of share on that a bit. Um, you can just bring up that picture of the, before you bring up the scriptures, that's that picture of the, of the treasure map. Because in, in these verses, it talks about in Christ is hidden the treasures of wisdom and understanding. And, and you know, I always think about it, if you knew the location of the greatest treasure in the world... What would you do if, if someone gave you a map, like a pirate map like this, with the X marks the spot, and there's a treasure of billions of dollars, and not Zim dollars, US dollars, okay? <laughs> billions of dollars. What would you do? I, I'm sure most of us would actually put in leave, <laughs> <laughs> fly to wherever it is and go and dig up the treasure. Even if we had to take unpaid leave, we'd do it, <laughs> right? Because we want that treasure. And um, the fact that so often we don't have that same urgency and excitement about the things of God and the gospel means we don't realize how great the treasure is that we have access to that we have a map to. Because that's what Paul does in these verses. He gives us a map with the X marks the spot to the location of the greatest treasure, not just in the world, but in the universe, in the history of mankind. Okay? So, let's just um, read these verses. Colossians, um, I'm going to include verse 6 to 8 as well, just for context. Uh, Colossians 2, from verse 1, it says, For I want you to know... How great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your great order, your good order, and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, 
as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And Lord, we just want to thank you for your word and we pray, Lord, that Lord, even as your word bore fruit in the Colossian Christians when Paul wrote it to them, Lord, that your word will bear fruit in us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that just like in the case of the Colossians where Paul was absent, but your spirit was present. Thank you, Lord, that even though Paul is not physically here with us, that your spirit is here with us and that you, Lord, Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. And we just want to come and open up our hearts to you, Lord, to receive from you everything that you have for us and to respond to you. In Jesus' name. Just while your eyes are closed, just, just ask the Holy Spirit to help you to respond. To respond correctly to, to what He's going to teach you to this morning. Just open up your heart and say, help me, Holy Spirit, to respond. Amen. So, um, at the end of um, the last couple of verses of Colossians 1, Colossians 1 verse 24 to 29, Paul talks about how to effectively give the gospel. You remember that? He talks about ministering the gospel, how to to give the gospel. Um, So, he's he's saying how he effectively ministers the gospel and why does it, you know, to bring people to maturity, that he has a mandate, a commission to do this, you know, a stewardship from God to do this. Um, And then, in, in chapter 2, yeah, we, we, we're focusing this morning. He turns it around and he says, now, it's, it's not good enough to just be able to give the gospel. You need to be able to receive the gospel. Because it's a principle, not just of the Bible, but of life, that you can only give what you've received. So the better you can receive, the better you'll be able to give. One of the most unselfish things that you can do is to become great at receiving from God. Because then you have more to give to others. It's not a selfish thing in the kingdom to receive a lot. In fact, it's the most unselfish thing that you can do. Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. The more you can receive, the more you can give. The better you can receive, the better you can give. Amen? So, so let's hear what Paul has to say about receiving. And, and if I had to summarize it, um, you know, if you can just bring up that scripture again. I just want to highlight a couple of words for you. Just in summary, Paul talks about how he struggles. So, so the word struggle, there's a struggle, and he says that so that their hearts may be encouraged. So encouraged hearts. A struggle for encouraged hearts, being knit together in love, loving community. Encouraged hearts, loving community, um, to reach all the riches of full assurance. So, so full assurance. There's a struggle to have encouraged hearts and loving community in order to reach full assurance. Um, and then, when you have that full assurance, you will not be um, deluded so that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So you won't be deluded by other things. Um, and what Paul is saying is that we need to treasure the gospel and receive the gospel, or otherwise we'll replace the gospel. We need to treasure the gospel and receive the gospel well. Otherwise, we will replace the gospel with something else. Okay? So, firstly, treasure the gospel. Like the, and, and this is quite amazing because Paul is writing this. He, he's saying, I'm, I'm writing this, you know, and I'm, I'm struggling for you. And, and clearly struggling in ministry and struggling in prayer for them so that their hearts may be encouraged and they they may be knit together in love, so that they may receive all the riches of this full assurance. In other words, what Paul is saying to them, to them as Christians who already treasure the gospel and have treasured the gospel enough to receive it, to believe it, and to be saved by it, is that there's more of this treasure left that you still haven't received. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's more. 
You see, here's the thing. When you're dealing with a God who is almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-wise, who has all resources, you're going to take a while to receive everything that He has for you because He's got a lot. Let's not fool ourselves if we're saved and if we believe the gospel that we've received everything that God has for us. No, there's always more. There's always more. In eternity, there will always be more for us to receive. I think that's why part of the reason why God gives us eternity is so that we have enough time <laughs> to at least receive most of what He has for us because it's going to take a while. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Um, so, like the Colossians, there, there are hidden treasures of the gospel that we are yet to receive, even though we've already received some of it. Now, just this word treasure, um, I checked up the, the, the Greek, and, and it's interesting. Um, it's, it's a thesauroi. It's, it's the word where we get our, our word thesaurus from. You know, a thesaurus that contains, you know, all the different words, you know, and different words that you can use for the same sort of idea. Um, and, and, and it seems like that's sort of the root word for treasure in, in, in Greek. Um, so he says, I've, it's, it's like, you know, if I can use that analogy, it's like you know one or two words, you know, in which to describe the riches of this treasure that you have. But there are like 10, 20, 100 words more that you can go and look up in this thesaurus, this treasure trove um, of, of what God has done to you. Uh, done for you. So, so a treasure, your treasure is whatever you value most. Right? When you treasure something, you value it above everything else. So the question, part of the question to us is, what do we treasure? Do we treasure the gospel? Do we treasure Christ and everything that is in Him? Or do we treasure money or comfort or family or fame or success or love or pleasure or whatever? What do you treasure? Now, you usually know what you truly treasure by, by the fact that you're willing to give up other things for it. If you, if you love, really love your children, for instance, you're willing to sacrifice for them. You're willing to sacrifice your comfort. You're willing to sacrifice your money. You're willing to sacrifice lots of stuff for them. You know, if they get into danger, you're even willing to sacrifice your life for them. You know, I, I remember hearing the story about um, a kid who was grabbed by a crocodile in a river and, and was being dragged by the, the crocodile into the river. And, and the father diving in after the, the crocodile, grabbing the crocodile, and the only thing was the, the crocodile, you know, grabs the, the, its prey and then starts spinning it in the water and it drowns. And, and uh, you know, when, when it's in that grip, the, the, the only thing he could think to do was to, to, to take his fist and shove it into the crocodile's throat. And, and the crocodile gagged, and, and just enough to let the kid go, but then the crocodile grabbed his arm and started spinning him and, and pulled his arm off. And, and he lost his arm... But afterwards, when they asked him, he stood there with a big smile like this and said, I would give my arm any day for my kid. Any day. And do you know that God gave more than an arm for you? He gave more than an arm for you. Because he treasures you. And we should therefore treasure him as he treasures us. Learn to treasure him as he treasures us. So what is your treasure? And notice that it says, not that there's a treasure in Christ. It says, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures. There's not just one treasure in Jesus. There are treasures, plural. All the treasures, all the true treasures, all the lasting treasures, all the most profound, most powerful, most valuable, most desirable treasures are hidden in Christ. In Christ. God's mystery. Now, now, I just want you to notice here, when he talks about this treasure uh, in verse 2, 
He says that our hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in, in, in love, to reach all the treasures of, fullness of, assur- of full assurance of understanding and of the knowledge of God's mystery. Just want you to see how Paul piles on modifiers to describe this mystery, okay? And, 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 and you know, what we can receive of this mystery. It's not just the, the mystery of God. It's the knowledge of the mystery of God, knowing it. And we, we know in the Bible, knowledge is not just an intellectual thing. It's also a relational thing. You know, it talks from Genesis and, and even into the New Testament, it talks about and stuff like Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived a son. Okay? So there's a relational, an intimate knowledge. Not just the intellectual knowledge, but an intimate knowledge that is, that is spoken about here. Okay, the, the knowledge... Um, of, of, the, of God's mystery. But not just the knowledge, but, but the understanding. You can know something, but not really understand it. You can know something is true, but not really understand why it's true. Not really have a mental grasp on it. So he's talking not just about the knowledge of this mystery, but the understanding of this mystery. But not only the understanding of this mystery, but the assurance in other words, this is a, a knowledge, an intimate knowledge, and a deep understanding that leads to assurance. In other words, that leads to faith, that leads to belief, that leads to trusting God more, being sure, being convinced of, having faith in this truth, in this treasure. Right? But it's not just the assurance of understanding, it's the full assurance you see, you can be assured of something, but not fully assured of it. You can sort of be convinced of it, but not fully convinced of it. And what, what Paul says is that, that we must reach the full assurance. There's a growth. Now, now I know in my life, I'm, I'm assured of the gospel, but I don't think I have full assurance yet. I think I would live differently. I would be less anxious. I would be Less worried about stuff. I'd be probably more kind and friendly and, and, and more whatever, you know, more like Jesus if I had a full assurance of the understanding of this mystery. How much assurance do you have? How far do you still have to go? There's more. And, 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 and let's just be honest that, that even the greatest knowledge and understanding without faith without assurance, without belief, means pretty much nothing in the kingdom. You know, our understanding and our knowledge must lead. There must be an assurance of it. There must be faith that flows from it. Um, so he talks about the full assurance of understanding of this, of this knowledge. And, and, but but is, that's not all. <laughs> he talks about the riches of full assurance of this understanding of this mystery. The riches of it. Now, can you see, I mean, Paul could have stopped that assurance, or he could have stopped that full assurance, but he goes on. He just piles on modifiers, because there's there's the riches of full assurance. And then he takes it even further, and he says, all the riches of full assurance. Can you see what he's trying to do? He's just piling on modifiers to try and get us to see there is so much there. This treasure is so great. It's huge. And it takes time and it takes intentionality to receive all the riches of the full assurance of the understanding and the knowledge of this great mystery which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we must treasure Christ. When Paul gives us the location of this treasure, the location is not a place, it's a person. X marks the spot. You can see the cross almost as an X that marks the spot of the greatest treasure in the universe. And it's a person, not a place. It's all in Christ. And we need to treasure Christ and the gospel above everything else. Now, He says, in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, a treasure that is hidden 
must be sought and it needs to be dug up. You need to find it and you need to, you need to dig it up. In other words, and that brings me to my, my second point, that we must receive the gospel. And we don't receive it automatically. There is some effort involved. There's some seeking involved. Now, why did God do it that way? Did God hide the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ so that we couldn't find it? No, it's not because he doesn't want us to find it, but he wants us to seek it because he, he understands and he knows our human psychology. Easy come, easy go. We tend to not appreciate what we get too easily. So he says, it's there, and I'm going to give you so much of it just automatically, but there's some of it I want you to dig into. I want you to dig deeper. I like what John Piper says. He says, when you're reading the Bible, when you're interpreting Scripture, you can either rake for leaves or you can dig for gold. And yes, it does take more effort to dig for gold, but the reward is so much greater as well. So when we're reading Scripture, when we're, when we're looking into this treasure, are we just raking for leaves? Are we satisfied with what's on the surface? Or are we actually digging for gold? When we come together as a small group to discuss this, are we just raking for leaves on the surface? Or are we digging for gold? Because there is gold. Even the leaves are blessed. You know? Talks about in Revelation about the leaves of the tree of life that are for the healing of the nations. I mean, even the leaves of the gospel are blessed, but the gold of the gospel is even more blessed. It's the real treasure, and we need to dig for it. It's not automatic. That's what I'm trying to say. We don't automatically have all the riches of full assurance. We must reach it so that we may reach. Hearts be encouraged, knit together in love, so that we may reach. The full assurance. Now, think of it in this way. I, I just do, did a quick um, internet search last night uh, when I thought about this. All across the world, there are people who die. And they have insurance policies. They have bank accounts. They have, um, you know, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, um, retirement annuities. They have... Um, you know, trusts and all kinds of stuff, you know, set up in which they saved all their lives and all their life savings for their families. And then often the families don't know about this or they don't care about this. And these, these inheritances go unclaimed. Now in South Africa, guess what, how much unclaimed inheritances and, and rewards and benefits there are that they know of. These are the ones they know of. Guess, number. Two million. No, it's a lot more than that. Ninety billion rand. That's just in South Africa. Ninety billion rand of unclaimed benefits and inheritances and all those kinds of stuff. Now think about this. Think about this. Legally, legally those inheritances belong to the family. It is legally theirs. The family member who died poured out their lives to earn, worked to earn and to save that for them, for the family. And what that family member poured out their lives to save up for his family, the family is not receiving. The family is living unclaimed. Billions of it. Isn't that sad? But isn't it sad that we do that with God? He, just, he didn't just work to earn an inheritance for us. He lived and died to earn an inheritance for us. He literally gave out his life, poured out his life to give an inheritance to us. And that inheritance is legally ours. It's legally ours. It belongs to us. On the, on the um, beneficiary, the name of the beneficiary, it says, Mika or Louis or Henny. Or Lazelle. Our names are there. It's legally ours. All we have to do is go and claim it. But so often, we claim a little bit of it. Okay, I'll take a few thousand of that billions. 
that Jesus earned for me. And I'll be happy with that. No, don't be happy with that. Jesus died. Make up your mind that you're going to receive everything that Jesus died to purchase for you. The full inheritance, the full treasure, all the riches. How much of your inheritance are you leaving unclaimed? How much of your disciples or your children's inheritance are they leaving unclaimed because you're not teaching them how to claim it? Do you know that whatever inheritance you have and you don't claim, your children don't receive? Coming generation, because inheritance gets passed on from generation. If you're the one who breaks that link of claiming the inheritance, then the coming generations have less. Spiritually, that is also true. If we don't receive all the riches of full assurance that God has for us in the gospel, then we're not going to be able to pass it on to coming generations as effectively. Okay. So, how do we receive this? And, and Paul gives us two clues here, two tips, if I can call it that, which are in some ways surprising. He says, that, your heart, that their hearts may be encouraged and knit together in love so that they can receive or reach all the riches of full assurance of this treasure. Okay? And, and those two things are a little surprising. It's, it's, in a sense, not what we would have expected. Okay? Let's just notice the one. Encouraged heart is an individual requirement, and loving community is a corporate requirement. Okay? You know, we would have sort of thought you need a sharp intellect to understand. You know, because we're talking about knowledge and understanding here. So you need a sharp, intelligent intellect to understand. No, he doesn't say you need a sharp mind. He says you need an encouraged heart. Or you need discernment. Or you need something with which you can mentally grasp. But, but remember, he's not talking just about that knowledge and understanding. He's, he's talking about the full assurance, the faith that flows from that knowledge and understanding. And for that, you need an encouraged heart. Your heart needs to be encouraged to receive all that God has for you. It's not that easy. Think about this. Why do our hearts need to be encouraged to receive all of the gospel. What are the things that often make it difficult for us to believe and to have a full assurance and be fully convinced of the gospel? What are the things? Quickly turn to each other and discuss that quickly in a minute. Just turn two by two to each other and discuss. Why, why do our hearts need to be encouraged? Why are our hearts often unable to receive this full assurance of the gospel? Just in groups of two or three. Okay. What did you guys come up with? What did you guys come up with? Yeah, go for it, go for it. Yo, with the mic. Okay. <laughs> And we just said that um, if our hearts are not encouraged and, and the, the, the things that cause our hearts not to be encouraged, whether it might be trust issues or whatever the case might be, might draw us away from the Lord. And even when we are reading the word, we not, might not even be able to dig and find the gold because our hearts are, are, are pulled away from the Lord. Yeah. Anything else? I, th I think it's um, two sides of the same coin. So on the one side, you've got a lot of um, uh, you know, bad circumstances potentially happening, and that could discourage you. But on the other flip side, things could also go very well for you, and that can be shiny enough to, to lead you astray. So when things are going bad, you're like, oh, this doesn't work. You know? When things are going well, it's like, I don't need this. You know? Okay. Uh, with us, uh, we discussed and we find that uh, most of us, we are more like the microwave generation. We love quick, quick stuff. 
And yeah, rewind it instant. There's instant noodles, there's instant oats, there's in instant rice. So everything is just becoming instant for us human beings. And then we lose sight of the map that God gave us to say, do not worry about tomorrow, what you will eat, what you will drink, because I have provided for you. Then we want everything to come just when we want it. So I think that is the reason why we lose the map and we need uh, our hearts to be encouraged. Thank you. Amen. So, I mean, th there are more reasons. Like, for instance, I mean, all of these reasons that you guys mentioned are good. But um, <clears throat> often, one of the things that discourages us is that we actually don't, we actually don't um, believe that this treasure is as great as, as the Bible says it is. I mean, put in all this effort, you know, to get this treasure. You'll only do that. You'll only be encouraged to do that if you really are convinced that the treasure is really worth it. It's really that great, right? Or sometimes the opposite happens. Sometimes we think it's too good to be true. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's, we think it's like those emails that you get of, you know, some other, you know, rich relative of yours has died in England and left you 40 billion pounds, you know. Just send us your bank details and we will deposit <laughs> your inheritance. So we think it's like that. We think it's a hoax. We think it's too good to be true. And that discourages our hearts from receiving it. Sometimes we think, I don't deserve it. God, I'd, I'd like to have all this treasure, but... Shucks, God, I don't deserve it. Well, isn't the good news of the gospel exactly that we don't have to deserve it? That Jesus has already deserved it for us? That he is, that, that, isn't the good news of the gospel that we get what Jesus deserves because Jesus got what we deserved? Now, think about it this way. Because the thing that encourages your heart to receive the gospel is the gospel. The gospel encourages you to receive more of the gospel. So, how much does Jesus deserve to receive all the treasures of full assurance, of understanding and knowledge? How much does Jesus deserve to receive all the treasures of what God has for him? All the treasures of blessing and mercy and favor. How much does Jesus deserve it? Totally, right? Fully. But if you're in Christ, then you get what Christ deserves. It's like you're married to Christ in community of property. <laughs> Whatever is His become your, becomes yours. So that, that's how you use the gospel to flip that discouragement around and turn it into encouragement. Um, sometimes we just don't believe it enough. And we need to encourage our hearts and encourage one another's hearts. Sometimes there's this demonic discouragement. Because, let's be honest, this is scary to the devil. The fact that there's more of the gospel, deeper levels of assurance and understanding and knowledge, bigger treasures in Christ that we still have to receive, this is very scary to him. He does not want you to receive everything that God has for you. So he's going to desperately do his best to say to you, listen here, buddy, you don't want this. I... I we were at, at the pastor summit. Dominic Derki van Spy was sharing how, when he got saved, um, you know, and, and surrendered himself to to God and to the Holy Spirit, you know, to to receive the Holy Spirit and be anointed by the Holy Spirit for ministry and all that. Uh, he, he said immediately there was a voice that said, "Don't do that! Don't you dare do that! The Holy Spirit will send you to China." <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare do that. The Holy Spirit will never allow you to get married. And he's going to ask you to give up everything, you know, so that he can use you. <laughs> and, and the devil will, will do all kinds of nasty, dirty little tricks like those to, to, to try and discourage you from receiving all that God has for you because he's scared. He's scared of you when you've received everything that God has for you. He's terrified. And then there's just worldly propaganda, you know, where the world says to us, no, man, this is just nonsense, you know, how can you, if you believe this, you're a gullible and you're an idiot, it's just pie in the sky and the by and by and, 
You know, forget about it. And the world tries to discourage you because the world wants other stuff. It treasures other things. And it wants you to treasure what it treasures so that you won't treasure what is truly a treasure. So we need encouraged hearts. Think about it. What, what is currently discouraging your heart from receiving all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of this mystery of God? What is currently discouraging your heart? Is it just it's too much effort or is it, what is it? How do you need to minister the gospel to your heart or how do other people maybe need to minister the gospel to you to encourage your heart to receive it? And that's the second point he makes. He says, he says what we need is not just encouraged hearts but loving community. It's not receiving all the riches of full assurance, all the riches of this treasure is not something you can do by yourself. It's not something you can do alone. There's too much of this treasure for you to receive it alone. And it, it's amazing, you know, when we're in small group, we're, we're in small group with LZ and, um, you know, Nikki and them, and Skalk and them, and we, we, we sit down, and when we start talking about this stuff, you know, I get excited because they start mentioning things that I didn't even see. It's like, wow, okay, there's more. There's more there than what I saw. You know, often, usually we, 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 we sort of, we have the sermon and then the Wednesday afterwards we discuss the scripture on which the sermon was based. And then I, I think to myself afterwards, man, I needed this discussion before I preached the sermon. <laughs> because they can receive parts of this, the riches of this treasure and see parts of the riches of this treasure that I cannot. One of the things that helps me most when I'm preparing sermons is when I sit down with guys like Louis and Andre or, you know, Izan and Rochelle or whoever and just discuss the scripture with them because they can, they are parts of the, this, the riches of this treasure that they can access that I can't. And it will always be like that. You need people around you. You need to be in a small group. You need to be in a church community that treasures, the, these treasures that are in Christ as much as you do if you want to receive all of it. You'll never receive all of it alone. So, um, that means that we are responsible to, to receive and then to give as much of this treasure to one another. If, if, if we truly love one another, if we're a loving community, we live to, knit together in love, we will want to receive as much as possible so that we can give as much as possible of this to one another. And we'll encourage one another's hearts to receive more and more of the riches of this treasure to give to one another. And, and just that picture where he talks about um, knit together, hearts that are encouraged and then knit together in love. Think about what, what is knit together. What is something else that's knit together? Like a net, right? A fishing net. It's like when we knit together in love, we, we, we form a kind of spiritual net that can catch the revelation, if I can put it that way. Catch and receive the treasure better. Louis, don't you want to come forward and just share with what you shared with me uh, two weeks ago about that? Okay. Um, this is my part of the sermon. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was such a privilege, like Henny said, when we sat together two weeks ago and we were talking about the scripture and um, thinking about this, this part specifically where Paul's speaking about being knit together in love. Um, the picture was, like Henny said, was a net. And I think what, what sort of struck me about that picture was a net is multiple strands going up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, and, and I sort of thought of like, what, what, if we, what if we don't do the knitting, right? What if, what if we take one string, and if that might be you, if we just stretch you across the net on top, and there's no underneath, are you a part of the net? No. Do you have access to the strength of the net? Absolutely not. And, and that was something that became so real to me, is that church is a family, and family is not always up. There are downs. There are times where we have to come around people, where we carry them, where we encourage them. But there are times where we are on top and other people carry us. Other people encourage us. And um, I, you know, that scripture says specifically being 
knitted together. Um, that means that we don't get to build our five friends and this is our this is our knit. You know, this is our knit. Like God will always continue knitting us. He will always continue moving us to a place where we continue reaching others. To a place where we are encouraged by other people, where we encourage other people. Um, we need to, like one of the things we spoke of when Henny asked, why, do you heart, why does your heart need to be encouraged? Because an encouraged heart has influence, but a discouraged heart also has influence. And when we are encouraged, we can encourage the encouraged and we can encourage the discouraged. But when you are discouraged, we actually do damage. Um, and then one of the other things I just wanted to, to put out there is that it says that we are knitted together in love. Um, and Jesus also says it in John 13. He says that the world will know that you are my disciples in the way that you love one another. Um, and I think that puts a whole different spin on being knitted together. Um, because I think today we have a very individualistic perspective. It's all about what, what I can receive, what is in it for me. Um, and this is saying, like, I'm going in head first, and this is my net. Come up or down, this is my net. This is where I am. These are the people that I fight for. Um, and I don't start fighting for them when they start fighting for me. I fight for them from the start. I pray for them. And I continue in love for them. Because if we had to apply 1 Corinthians 13 to this, being knitted together, it looks very different. Because that's an unselfish picture. Um, and then another thing I just wanted to also say, um, that knit together, it means multiple individuals creating one one thing right one net multiple strands creating one net and it, it's so profound for me like jesus is coming back for a bride not brides um he's coming back for a bride um and I, and i think that's a question that we also need to ask within our community are we allowing the holy spirit like any said like as we are encouraged are we really getting involved in community? Because community is always there. I think we have, we have the responsibility to get involved. And I think sometimes we have the back chair and like community needs to come to me. But we are part of the bride. We must actually live in it and press into it. Um, so that's all I wanted to share. Thanks, Louis. <clears throat> And then just, if you just bring up that scripture again, please, uh, Daniel. Um, he says, for, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who, are for, who have not seen me face to face. And then at the end he says, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So Paul ma makes a point of it that he's absent. Because sometimes we think, you know, if only Paul were here, then we'd be able to receive all the riches of the full assurance of this treasure. Because Paul had it. Paul says, no, you don't need me present. You don't need me to be here. Because you have the Holy Spirit with you. And you have one another. You can be knitted together and you can be encouraged and you can, um, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to through you. Because notice when he says there, just bring up that scripture again. He says, that their hearts may be encouraged. Be encouraged. Being knit together in love. Is it something they do or something that is done to them? Does it say that they may encourage their own hearts? Or that they may knit themselves together? It's in the passive voice, right? That they may be encouraged. And that their hearts may be knit together. In other words, ultimately, even though we're involved in this and we press in... This is something that God the Holy Spirit does. And we don't need Paul to be present because the Holy Spirit is present. And the Holy Spirit wants to encourage our hearts and knit us together in love. I, I'm getting this picture of the Holy Spirit sitting sort of on a rocker like an old tunny, you know, knitting, you know, a, a jersey, you know, knitting a jersey of the church, you know, knitting us together in love. This is what God wants for us. And when we, when, when we just stop resisting God, and just start responding, like Lou was saying, 
um, during the worship, just start responding positively, then He encourages our hearts and He knits us together as we start just cooperating with Him. Um, and, and then also just something to notice here is that Paul is willing to struggle and suffer so that the Corinthians, their, so the Colossians, their hearts may be encouraged and they may be knit together so that they can receive all the riches of this treasure because that's what Jesus did for Paul. And if you realize how Jesus did that for you, then you'll be willing to do it for others. You'll be willing to pay the price. You'll be willing to struggle. You'll be willing to suffer. You'll be willing to, to put in the effort to pray or to go and visit or to, to um, bear with some, someone else's, you know, issues. I, I, I always think of this um, who said, you know, <laughs> grant everyone their, their, what do you call it, their, you know, whatever's wrong with them, you know, everyone has something that's an, that, that's an issue with them, you know, grant it to them and live with it, love them, let your love cover a multitude of sins, sometimes that's a struggle, sometimes that takes a bit of sacrifice, um, but we have to bear with one another in love, so we need to, we, we, we don't need other things to replace the gospel, but we need to dig deeper into the gospel, but here's the thing, and, and this is the last point I want to make, if we fail to receive all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of the gospel, we will inevitably look elsewhere. It's like if you don't get in healthy food, you will ultimately eat junk food. It's inevitable. If you don't get in all the nourishment that you need from the gospel, you will go and look somewhere else. Because there are needs. And, and the, the sad thing is that gospel can meet all of those needs that we have. All of them. But if we don't allow the gospel to meet those needs, we will start looking elsewhere. And the Colossians were looking in all kinds of other places. I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because we'll, um, you know, we, we've already looked at it to some extent. In, in 2 verse 4, it talks about, you know, do not let anyone delude you with um, plausible arguments. If, if you're not receiving what you need to receive from the gospel, you'll start listening to other people's, the world's plausible arguments about what's better than the gospel. He says in, 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 in chapter 2, verse 8, um, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy. Now, what, what is philosophy? It's just the love and pursuit of wisdom. Now, that, that's not wrong per se, just like plausible arguments aren't wrong per se, but if they replace Christ then it's a problem. So, so often, because we're not receiving what we should receive and being nourished like we should be nourished through the gospel, we start looking at the world's philosophy. Um, he says, you know, the, the, the philosophy of, of the world, um, then he goes on, he talks about empty deceit in, in chapter 2, verse 8. You know, Beware that some, no one take you captive through philosophy or empty deceit. Then it says it comes from two sources, human tradition, according to human tradition, and according to the elemental spirits of this world. So everything that comes from the world comes, it's handed down by people and through people. So, so, so there's, there's a, a humanity, a fallen humanity to it. But there's also a spiritual aspect to it, a demonic aspect to it, elemental spirits, according to the elemental spirits of this world. So, so if you're not receiving the gospel from God through Christ, you're going to be receiving from human beings and demonic spirits. That's what he's saying there. Uh, he goes on in, in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 16, to talk about law-keeping. You know, if, if, you, if you don't receive it for free through the grace of the gospel, you're going to start looking to law-keeping. What laws must I keep? What things must I do? Must I be circumcised? Must I keep the food laws and the festivals and all those kinds of other stuff? And there are so many people like that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with keeping the festivals or even keeping the Sabbath or eating certain foods and not eating certain There's nothing per se wrong with that. But if that starts replacing Christ, and so many Christians, because they don't dig deep enough into the gospel, they start getting Israelitis, and start keeping the festivals and the Sabbath and, and food laws and stuff in order to be saved because they're trying to find something in those things that they're not finding in Christ. Now, if you're finding it in Christ, 
then it's fine to do those things. But if you're not finding in Christ, then you're trying to replace Christ with those things. And he says, he goes on to say, but these things in the law, they're just a shadow, but the substance is Christ. Don't be deceived by it. Then he goes on in, in, in verse 18 to talk about asceticism. You know, living like a, a really disciplined, frugal um, life. Um, you know, harshness to the body and that kind of stuff. He talks about spiritual experiences, worshiping of angels and seeing all kinds of visions. Now, is it wrong to see visions and so on? No, I mean, Paul himself talks about heavenly visions that he had. But when those things start replacing Christ, it's a problem. It's a problem. He talks about um, human regulations, self-made in, 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 uh, in verse 21 and 22. In verse 22, he talks about self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. Um, and not according to Christ. So, so all of these things, some of them are bad, but some of them also good. But all of, none of them should replace Christ. And, and, and here's the problem. It's dangerous not to receive everything that God, all the, the, the riches that God has for you in the gospel. Because if you don't, you're going to inevitably look somewhere else. And so I see so many Christians who do that, and it's so sad. It's so sad. When we're in Christ and we're focusing on the gospel as we should, then we can have all of those things. Then you, can, then you have the filter at which to look at the wisdom of the world and take what is helpful and, and reject what is not. You, 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 have, um, you have the right position within which to, to, to benefit correctly from spiritual experience, but not spiritual experiences apart from Christ, but spiritual experiences in Christ, etc., etc. So... Those things can delude you and they can take you captive and we must be aware, must be aware of them. Um, here's the point that Paul is making. He's saying anything that you use to replace Christ is a serious downgrade. Who of you will take your smartphone and go to the empty end store and say, I want to I trade this in for a Nokia 3210? One of those that doesn't like have like a touch screen, you know? I want, I want one of those. Who, who of you will do that? None of us will. <laughs> well, some people are like, yeah, you know, my, my phone is irritating me. I want to go and check. <laughs> I'm playing too much solitaire on it or something, you know? <laughs> but so often we want to spiritually downgrade. And we don't realize that when we go for things that replace Christ, we actually downgrade it. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.